Yo. Yo, what's up, man? Yeah, what's up? What you got going? Yeah, chilling, man. Damn, I'm trying to see how I can get back to this. Uh, okay, I'm on here. I'm trying to get to the game page. All right. All right, there we go. Hey, how y'all doing? Everything yourself. I'm good. Doing I'm good. Right. Yeah, this is my uh, army friend, uh, Lakendrick. What I call hey. him Thomas, you know, last names, but you know. I know how. Hey, nice to meet you. Nice to yeah. meet you too. Yeah, this uh, Ray. I met her on uh, Clubhouse. Okay. Okay. But uh, I had three three topics um, that I wanted to uh, talk about. Uh, one of them I talked about earlier in this uh, clubhouse room earlier, and it got real deep about uh, uh, a woman was asking why do you think uh, we have absent fathers in today's society, and that conversation kind of went all over the place. Yeah, like 30 people in the room. So, uh, then um, I wanted to talk about the uh, minority NFL jobs. I know, Ray, you probably don't know that about that, but uh, Mm -hmm. just basically the summary of it is that um, uh, NFL teams don't like hiring black coaches. There's only one black coach right now in the NFL. Well, one just got hired today. So, there's only two coaches that's black out of 30 teams. And one, uh, and it's a lot of uh, discrimination against blacks just getting hired or just getting interviewed just to, just to say they interviewed a black person, but they don't intend to get them the job. That's not surprising. And then uh, the other topic I wanted to talk about was uh, um, why people leave the church. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the church. Yeah, why people don't. Um, want to go to church anymore so we can uh hop into the absence fathers first so you can uh i'll start off with you first ray why do you think that we have uh absent fathers in today's society okay so i want to preface this with i work in foster care so a lot of the families i see tend to just be moms um and even when we're trying to find the fathers we can't and when we do they want no part of the of getting their kid back or anything. That tends to be the majority. Um, I feel like there are a lot of reasons why there's absent fathers. I think that when the relationship fails between the two parents, um, people don't know how to reconciliate the fact that while we're not good partners, we still have to co-parent. And the child tends to get weaponized within that. And they're the one that suffers. Okay, you don't want to be with me. Well, you don't get to see your kid or, you know, things of that nature. And then I think another part of it is that there has been this normalization of like, dads just not being involved. Even when we look at the language, oh, dads are babysitting their kids. No, those are your kids, you're taking care of them. Um, Or, you know, fathers getting the like praise for doing bare minimum things like changing diapers. So there's a whole normalization of like, dads don't really need to be involved. And then there's a whole bunch of paternity fraud that I think never gets addressed. 
And that also plays a part in it. Due to so much fraternity fraud, you know, there are a lot of men who are, you know, using, well, I don't know if that's my baby. And then they're just like going ghost and you don't hear from them. Um, And then lastly, it's just and it's just reckless sex. Um, I don't think people are actively taking control of having sex with people. They're not practicing safe sex. They're not um, talking about the repercussions of sex, which is children. Um, we're not even talking STIs, we're just talking children, right? So men don't want to get vasectomies, and a lot of men don't want to wear condoms. And all of that responsibility tends to fall on the woman. And then we get into these murky waters. So I feel like there's a lot of complexities, but that kind of is most of the reason why. Okay. Thomas, you can go ahead and go. Okay. Uh, I think she hit it on the head when she said uh, the uh, the one before the last one. And she, she was like, uh, <clears throat> the kids, I mean, what what was what was the one you said before the last one? I, I kind of like uh, I caught it, but then it kind of like slipped my mind right when you finished. It was uh, dang years on the head. Kids I was getting weaponized. Before. Yeah, kids being weaponized. Yeah, that that that's like the biggest one that I've seen. Kids being weaponized. Uh, they get you know they get mad with the uh, with their uh, the, the child's mother, and then they want to use the kid you know as a weapon to kind of get back at the parent, but the kid shouldn't be used as a weapon. The kids are innocent. You know, so and that's probably the biggest thing that we see nowadays. I see it on both sides too, with the females too. But it, it's 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 very to- that's a very toxic thing that we can get lost inside of that man. Using our kids as weapons, uh, they don't have anything to do to do with it. We got to grow up and you know raise our kids. You know what I'm saying? Outside of the drama that we got going on, as far as like parents and stuff like that, we do got to get over like you know what I'm saying. Just having some type of uh animosity towards each other too that's not that's not being an adult you know whatever you don't like about me we're not in a relationship anymore that we can move on from that you know what i'm saying uh we we shouldn't be stuck in a place that where we got hatred toward towards one another because the kids feed the kids feed they see that and they feed off that stuff man so that's probably like one of the biggest things to me yeah uh in this room earlier uh i know um they tried to uh well we basically hit all those viewpoints, but mm-hmm. a lot of people was trying to say, you know, uh, what can man do? And no one dude was saying, you know, you just have to keep fighting, you know, to keep seeing your kids. And I was saying, you know, I know plenty of friends that I got now that's good fathers, but they still can't see their kids. And they paying $600 a month in child support. Like I got one friend I went to high school with, his son, three years old, he only seen him three times in three years because his baby mama uh, mad that she don't want to be with him. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. tries every attempt. He uh, tried to get uh, um, what's that thing called? Uh, what's it called? Uh, when you get your rights as a father. Custody. Custody. Oh, he, he went through the pot. Did he legitimize his child? Let, first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He tried to get legitimized and she did something to to make it long, a longer process to mm. prevent him from getting legitimized. And then uh, it, it was just a lot of stuff. Like I was telling them, I was just saying that uh, in some situations, people that the father is available, but some of the baby moms want the want the dads, the father, based on their expectations, and if it don't go that way, 
then they don't want him there at all or they want to bash him and say that he ain't a good father or he a piece of shit or anything like that, you know. And uh, and some and then uh, one situation I said, I was like, you know, and it goes both ways for men and women. I was like, you know, some women don't hold these men accountable because in, in today's era, you're going to meet most men in a lounge or a bar. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people ain't meeting in the church and things like that. So uh, a lot of women not making these dudes wear condoms either. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So that's what it was. I'm gonna that's, push back on that. That's what it was. That's what I. That's what she said. Them not having responsible sex. I was trying to find that one, but that's what it was. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna push back on that. You can't make a person do anything, right? And there's even been this new wave of this thing called sheathing where you start with the sex and then they take the condom off, right? Which is its own separate thing of assault and all of that. But it comes down to people don't want to have safe sex. I, I hear it all the time. Oh, it feels better without a condom. Oh, we're just going to pull out woo, woo, whoop, And then everybody's acting surprised when a pregnancy test has to be taken. If you don't want to have a child with this person, if you met it, this person in the club, at the drive-thru, at church, at work, and you know that you're not interested enough to potentially be in a co-parenting situation, you are responsible for your own body. So only you are responsible for wearing that condom. I can ask you a thousand times, Eric, strap up, Eric, strap up. But at the end of the day, I can't make you strap up. So either I have to decline the sex or move forward. So I think there also has to be accountability that the the men, they don't want to wear condoms because they like it better without it. And they also don't want to deal with the repercussions of raw sex. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't do, uh, I can't agree with that, you know, man, you know, because I, I don't done that before. I just ain't slipped up. But I just know that uh, uh, yeah. when, uh, some women, uh, women, I know a lot of women that I know that I be around, they're not going to decline the sex. So I'm just, uh, it has to be a level of accountability because most women, once they get in that situation, you know, they're not going to decline the sex if a dude don't have no condom or he don't want to wear one. So it's kind of like, you know, uh, it kind of, it's kind of like. Both ends. Yeah, both, you know, like you pull and tuck with that situation. But yeah. it just um one one thing I would say too is that uh what well, we uh, I had told them earlier was that uh a lot of these dudes I, I compare it to back in the day how you know, back in the day the community was more together. So like if you knew a dude down the street got a baby on the way. He stayed three doors down from you. And it's, and the dude, uh, that's the OG of the neighborhood. He got kids. He taking care of his kids, do what he got to do. If he see a young adult, you know, in his early twenties or something, he going to check him and he going to listen to him. You know what I'm saying? Cause he respect him and he going to hold him accountable. And I don't think we got that level of mentorship as far as like, older people and younger people it's a, a huge gap because a lot of younger people don't listen to older people when they try to give them advice to try to help them so uh, I would say we would need some type of mentorship among people 
eater and they soaker or people they respect to show them how to, you know what I'm saying, if they don't have a father figure in their family, you know, to show them the ropes or how to be a man or how to go about, you know, uh, being a father and things like that. Yeah, that's true. Agree with that. I think that a lot of men need to step up and take responsibility for their children. And it really does suck. I'm not going to act like family court does not tend to be lenient towards mothers. And a lot of states are not mother-child states. Um, but I feel like there's there's options, right? So again, I'm always pro-vasectomy and pro-safe sex, using condoms, all of that. But if you're not going to do that, then you have to understand that anytime you have raw sex, you there's a chance that you're going to have a child. So you need to go through the process of getting your child legitimized because a lot of men don't know that in a lot of states, you have no rights if you're not married. Um, and then you need to either figure out if you want custody of that kid or if you don't want to be involved at all, I am so for terminating your rights. Going to family court, getting an advocate, going through the process, looking up what the specific requirements are for your state and terminating your rights because then they get caught up on this child support shit. Well, you don't want the kid. You don't need to have any legal rights. You don't need to be involved at all with anything, which sucks, right? Because then we're contributing to these single parent homes. But it's like, unless you're going to step up and you're going to figure out how to be involved and figure out how to co-parent, I'm always a fan of documentation. Don't give people straight up cash, right? It sucks, but people do fucked up shit. Ooh, I don't know if I could curse. <laughs> but people do things they're not supposed to do. So when you're buying things for your child, asking specific questions, what size pampers do they wear? What size shoes do they wear? I will give that to you. Because if you're concerned about the where the money's going, don't give cash right give them actual items when you call keep it in a notebook when you want to facetime when you want to spend holidays keep it in a notebook right because unfortunately you have to prove that you're being involved in this child's life and you're being your access is being restricted and a lot of times people don't want to do that and i think people get caught up being a part-time parent i'm not going to argue with her i'm not do this whatever i'll see my kid when i see him and then it's been six years you don't want to be a dad so i think they're lazy sometimes too yeah, well, yeah. What you think about that, Thomas? Yeah, man, I agree. That, I agree with everything she's saying, but uh, I do think sometimes you get to a point where you just and I'm not in that situation because I don't think like that. But just speaking for you know, what I'm saying some people who in that situation that uh, they may get tired though. You know, what I'm saying everybody not you know, what I'm saying the mental capacity is not that. You know, what I'm saying they they not that well put together like that. You know, what I'm saying some people can't take that much stress and and uh, pushback. So. Like mentally, they just get worn down by getting by, you know, what I'm saying by the uh, baby mother telling them like, well, ah, uh-huh, you know, you know, you're not here, just beating them, just beating them down, you know. They just get tired of that something at some point. They just like forget it, you know what I'm saying? So that could be a thing too, because everybody not mentally tough like that. Uh, some people kind of weak minded, but they don't know that, so they just give up. And that could be a thing also as well. You know, you just get tired of going through that that draining process of, of the baby mother just saying, well, you know, just complaining and, you know, asking for this, asking for that and demanding and trying to tell you pretty much run your life, you know. So that could be a mentally draining thing. And some people just quit. It's like, you know what? Forget it. You know, it gets like that sometimes with some people. Yeah, I just think that um... – in most cases, you know, uh, if a dude got an opportunity to be a father, you know, uh, trying it all 
is better. I mean, trying trying is better than not trying at all. And I just think uh, when you keep getting pushed back, that's 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 you know what I'm saying. That could be mentally draining, man. Like if you keep getting pushed back, somebody when you really try, I've seen what people really try to be there, and they all they get is just pushed back, and you know they just get tired of. It's not an excuse, but some people just not, you know what I'm saying? Some people just not built for that. Yeah, but the one thing I I do think about is uh, you don't want to, you don't want to never think 10, 12 years from now when your, when your, when your child get in high school, things like that, you know what I'm saying? And they, and they ask you that tough question, be like, why you weren't there? That's something that I, don't, I that I hope I never had to go through. You know what I'm saying? I had to. I experienced that on my own. You know, I, my dad was with me till I was 12. My mom took me away from him because of selfish reasons. Because mm-hmm. she she didn't want me to stay with him when she was going through a rough time. Mm-hmm. Even though even though he was financially stable mm-hmm. and things like that, but so she had me stay with my auntie. But um. Me just being young, 18, before I went into the military, I asked him, I was like, I mean, I had went six years without seeing him, even though he didn't know where I was, so it wasn't his fault. You know, when I look back on it, when we had a conversation later after that, but in the heat of the moment, you know, you know, things got emotional. I was like, dang, where you was? Like, you know, 12 to 18 was like a rough period of my life, and you weren't there, you know what I'm saying? So I just hope I never had to – uh go through that when I start having kids, you know. Thanks. Yeah, and it, it's not fair. Like, I, I am on the side, like, you should not have to fight this hard to be involved in your child's life. And I think that unless you're going to terminate your rights, parenthood is not something you get to opt out of. And I yeah. think that a lot of men are scared of family court. And I get it. The system, especially yeah. if you're a black man, it yeah. is never really on your side. But again, if you want to be in their life, you make it happen. You move hell in high water and you don't get to make excuses. You know, you know, my dad and my mom are separated and this man would take flights, send me money, would come see me when she passed away. He had to go through, you know, hoops on hoops he had to take dna tests everything to get custody of me and it's kind of like when you want to be involved you will be involved and i think it's very easy for a lot of these men to be like this is too tough i didn't even really know her like that she's loose she's this whatever i don't want no part when it's like it does like you said it doesn't matter who she is that is your child so either make it happen or I'm just affirmably don't come around, which really sucks because like kids deserve parents who love them. But like if you're just gonna have excuses and you're gonna bicker, like leave, leave everybody alone. But either, you know, like suck it up and make it happen or quit the complaining, you know? Yeah, that's true. My question is, dang, that made me think. That made me think to like, uh, so I mean, if they, if if the child don't have actual, if that's not his his blood, then how come the 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 mother never gets a a a partner or like a husband or a boyfriend there either? It's got to be something with that person. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It made me question, like, man, it got to be some of that person. If no male figure is there, you know what I'm saying? At some point in in that child's life, then somebody somebody's gonna come along the way. They kind of, you know, be there and kind of like, uh, feel, you know, not fill in, but they just there. So then obviously they're going to fill in. They're going to be there. So it, it, it's crazy that 
that never happens in most mm-hmm. situations. But isn't that a self-fulfilling prophecy by men? Because men will hoop and holler all day. I'm not raising another man's kid. I'm not coming into nobody's life and raising another man's kid. That's not my kid. And then when we look at the London, damn, ain't nobody want to be with you and raise your kid? Well, by design, if the men are saying they don't want to raise nobody else's kid and they're not raising their own kids, when do kids get a father figure? It's got to be through the men in the family if there are men in the family. So it's kind of like, who's going to budge? Are men going to start raising other people's kids and being present in the lives of women who have children? Or are men going to start raising their own kids? And then we don't have to worry about it. That's that's true, but I've never been. That's just kind of weird to me because I've I, I've never. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's a it's the people. I know. I, I guess those are losers. You know what I'm saying? But I never. Been, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I understand what you said. I've never been around nobody with that mental. So that's kind of like it, it's weird to me. You know what I'm saying? That somebody would not because my preference is not based on if you have a child or not. It's based on if I like you or not. You know what I'm saying? So that that doesn't even come to play. Like, oh, you got children now because if I like you, I like you. They don't have anything to do with the, you know what I'm saying, your mm-hmm. child or, you know, what you got going on. That just comes along with the territory. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to base my likes off. How do you how do you even put, how do you even do that? You know what I'm saying? Base your likes on if that person has a child or not. It's a personality thing to me. If I don't like you, I don't like you. You know what I'm saying? Not because you got a child or something like that. that that's just weird. Yeah, uh, yeah, this is a real interesting uh, topic because uh, I was looking at some statistics earlier of uh, of black people in general when it comes to like absent fathers and stuff, and it's uh, crazy the numbers that they had up there. But uh, we can uh, transition to the next topic as far as uh, why you think uh, people is not uh, present in the church no more or want to go to the church anymore. So uh, me personally, I think that a lot of people don't like going to church anymore just because, you know, um, for one, they get judged when they come to church. You know, you would think church is where church is supposed to be, a judge-free zone where you can come and let your hair down a little bit and, you know, kind of be vulnerable to a certain extent and kind of, you know, uh, get a good message. And, and if you feel you need, if you want someone to pray for you, you know, try to leave out of there with a good spirit. But a lot of people that's currently in the church, you know, they act like that they never had it. Like they never was at a low point where they never, uh, where they was ever messed up. And they always act like they always had it together. And that's the wrong attitude to have because everybody had to start from somewhere. And uh, me personally, I still go to church. I don't go as often as I did when I was uh, in grade school. But I um, I feel like, you know, uh, even with uh, the Bible and Jesus and things like that, I feel like Jesus was in the streets more than he was in a church house. And I feel like it's not a lot uh, being done to reach people to feel welcome in church to um, to grow their congregation. So I feel like, you know, numbers are still going to decrease. 
and people are going to still have those same people in there every Sunday getting prayed on and doing the Holy Ghost running around the church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can uh, uh, go, Ray, if you want. Um, well, so, as you know, Eric, I don't believe in a God anymore, but I grew up Christian for a little bit of my life, and I, I feel like um, the reason why folks aren't going to church is, yes, what you said, people are being judged when they go there, but I also think people have come to this understanding that they don't need to be in a church environment to have a relationship with their God, Um a lot more people are looking towards, I don't want to say like spirituality, but they're looking towards like having that independent relationship on their own. They, you know, they speak to their God, they pray, they do whatever they do. They kind of do the work on their own and they don't need to be in a church. And I think that there's a lot of church politics involved. There's a lot of shady things that can go on in a church that a lot of folks are not aware of. And it's kind of, uh, I want to say killing the vibe, right? You know, people don't want to go to church and they're going to hear about maybe getting bashed about certain identities or um, taxes don't pay taxes. Churches don't pay taxes on certain shit. And then when things happen, are they even really giving back to the people who pay their tithes? Like, are they really showing up as a community that they say they are? Um, And so I think there's a lot of reasons and those are just a few of them. Yeah, what you what you think about Thomas? Oh man, I think it's a business, man. Y'all hit all the key points. Uh, it's a it's a it's a business, man. I mean, you can get it on TV. I'd rather watch it on TV than go you know go somewhere where, you know what I'm saying. You just send amongst other people. Like I'm alone anyway, so I don't I don't want to go and you know have to speak. I, I don't like talking to you know having to talk to other people and stuff like that. So when I go, when I go to church, I can just I ain't got to put on no no clothes or nothing. I can just watch it on TV. I can be you know, negative if I want to and watch it, watch it on my own TV. And then you can watch it at your at your own convenience. Some people probably work on Sundays or you know what I'm saying, just can't just can't go because of the financial situation or whatever, you know what I'm saying, whatever they got going on. But like uh like you say, I mean they put it on T V, so you can watch it on T V if you really want to. But uh, and then like, I mean church they stopped church because they shooting up the church and stuff like that too. So it's a lot of reasons why people start going, man. They probably don't feel safe or just don't. It's just too much political stuff going on, man. Yeah, man. I just think, you know, a lot of people uh, don't make church into a corporation. You see all the stuff that's going on. I'm like, dang, that's not how it was when I was like five, six years old. You know what I'm saying? I think it. I think it, that it. It was like that, but I think we just weren't paying attention to it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now people catching on to it. You know what I'm saying? Back in the day, you know, pastor was were probably you probably they not specific, not saying your grandma, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> just in general, they probably they. You know what I'm saying? Got a wife and dating your grandma and everything. You know what I'm saying? It was all all that stuff. Just 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 crazy, man. The things that you see the pastors and stuff like they human beings. You know what I'm saying? And I want to go. I don't even want to see it. You know what I'm saying? So I ain't got nothing to worry about. If I see the pastor doing something, he ain't got no good. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody human. I think people, I I don't want to see have a pastor and then have to hold him to a different standard because everybody should be held to the same standard. You know what I'm saying? It's just because he's a pastor don't make it no different. You know? So I, I just don't want to see it. You know what I'm saying? I want to be a part of 
you know what I'm saying? I hold myself accountable for me. I don't want to see nobody in my church member somewhere that they ain't supposed to be. We looking at each other. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just just stay out of the way. I think the morality. I think there's a lot of, ugh, I want to say weight to the morality part of church. You know, kind of like you said, oh, I see somebody out and we looking at each other like, you know, there should be duality within it. Like, why can't I yeah. be yeah. Uh, at the strip club having fun because I'm 25 and right. then going to church? Or, you know, why can't I have my life outside of this and be living my best life? And, and yeah. I guess I don't know if you go to strip club. Is that something? Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and doing certain things and then have to feel bad or guilty when I go mm-hmm. to church. Like, mm-hmm. damn. But you're gonna do it again anyways. I think that anyway, yep. Because yep. of that, that that shame and that guilt that comes along with going to church, that that drives a lot of people away. Because it's like, I can't even really be me when I come to this place. Because the me that I am outside of here, when you pull up a scripture, I'm not supposed to be doing it. So the morality right. politics of all of it, I yep. think, is really detrimental to the people who yep. go to church. Because it's like, this not real life for a lot of people. It's not. It's not real life for nobody, and I, I just don't believe that. That's not real life for nobody, because I mean, I ain't nobody perfect. So I'm not gonna hold nobody to no standard just because they the leader of my church. You know what I'm saying? I think we. I. I he may be the leader of church, but I mean, I think we we should be held to the same. You know what I'm saying? To the same standard at the end of the day. Everybody's standards are the same. Yeah, that's one thing that's missing in the church. Like, like I think in any type of religion, like you would get farther. And uh, anything with being authentic, like you approach people with being open-minded, not treating them like you, like they're beneath you because they might be going through a rough time in their life. They might be doing stuff that you probably not doing no more, but you want to treat them or, or like a certain way just because... Uh, you uh, live in a certain lifestyle for a long period of time like you didn't make your mistakes when you was younger. And they still making mistakes, man. That's why, I don't, you know what I'm saying? That's like, they still making mistakes. It's, it's no point. They, they they won't get to a point where they just don't make mistakes. That's just not possible. That's not humanly possible. You know what I'm saying? That's not humanly possible. So, I mean, just to refrain from that, I think people just stop going. You know what I'm saying? Like, regardless, like, people gonna do people. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They're not perfect. They but they but we hold them to a standard where like nah, you know, we don't you don't supposed to just like we hold the president, how they try to hold Trump to a certain standard, but then they he, he human. He's not supposed to be doing that, but that's by your that's by the rule that you know that was that was made. That that's a rule that you put in place. You know what I'm saying? That man was being human. People gonna be human. Not not defending Trump. I ain't no Trump support. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Just to put Got a little contract. nervous. <laughs> yeah, nah, I ain't no Trump. You know what I'm saying? No Trump supporter. But you know what I'm saying? Just like it, it's the standard, man. How we hold uh, human people, human, man. Yeah, I mean, think about the commentary that you hear. Like, I mean, I guess I see it more like the memes on 
social media and stuff because it's, it's been a while since I've been in church. But like, oh, this young man in here with his pants sagging, don't he know better than yeah. to come to church? Like that's like, bro, what if that man been battling right. something inside of him and he finally got the energy to come up? But because come he's not three piece suit, right? You judging right. him? Ain't that going against what's in the Bible? <laughs> like, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, but you, but you judging me and you coming here, then you finna go and go pick you a lottery ticket up on the way home, dog. Like, it's so it's 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 all based on preferences. What you see, what you see, godly, or what you may think is the right thing to do. It's not, you know, what I'm saying everybody wrong is is different. You know, what I'm saying everybody right and wrong is different. Right. You know? and I, I think that's why people have moved into having their own individual yep. relationship outside of of church. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are seasonal churchgoers or holiday churchgoers. I come yep. for Christmas, Easter, and yep. that's it. That's it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the transition to the last topic, I um, basically give you uh, catch you up on it, uh, Ray, and then you can give your opinion on it, like based off what I okay. tell you. But uh, basically, in the NFL for a long time, minority, just like in any other place, minority jobs uh, for head coaches and things like that. Uh, has been a joke as far as us being able to get equal opportunities versus other uh, kind of parts like white people. And um, the NFL even had to go as far as putting a Rooney rule in place to hold teams accountable for interviewing black people because they wasn't interviewing black people at all. So they had to put a rule in place (laughs) to interview black people. So uh, right now we got two coaches that's coaching in the NFL. It's 30 teams. We just had a coach get fired from the Miami Dolphins because the owner um, offered him $100,000 to lose for every game he lose so they can get a higher draft pick so they can improve the team. So he's uh, doing a, a lawsuit of grievance against the NFL saying that you know, that goes against his integrity as a coach, and he's saying that he wouldn't have did that to any other, you know, white coach or anything like that. And uh, he's suing these other teams that he got interviewed jobs for, like the Giants and the Broncos, because they interviewed him. But he's suing them because he's saying that they already had their coach in mind. They just interviewed him just to basically to go through the motions and just check a box. And he's, so, uh, we, while uh, Mike Tomlin's been, uh, for he's, he's coached the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he's been coaching the Pittsburgh Steelers for, uh, 15 years. And he's been the only consistent black coach. Like we have some that come in, but they only last for like a year or two. But this is the lowest it's been in, in probably about five or six years of us only having. We usually have at least about five or six. But, like, now it's only two coaches, and one of them just got hired, so it's really only one that uh, that's in the league. And um, and I think the struggle is, is, you know, you got all these white billionaires that's, that's running the teams. And, I mean, I can't fault them because, you know, you're going to hire the people that you want to hire, so the commissioner can't hold them accountable to a certain extent because they getting paid by the, he getting paid by all the owners. 
for the owners is running the league because they got all the money. So it's just uh, I just think that's gonna be an uphill battle for us to even get close to fifty percent uh, African American coaches or or any position as far as general managers or anything in the league just because, you know, you got family-owned uh, t- teams that's getting passed down from generation to generation, and they're usually going to hire people that they're familiar with, and that's usually people of their own race. So uh, what you think about that? Um, so I just Googled some stuff while you were talking, too. And they only have one black coach, while over 70% of the NFL has black players. That's wild, because football is definitely a predominantly black sport. And it has everything to do with systemic racism, right? (laughs) And how there's just always been a lack of inclusiveness and opportunities for black folk um, to have access to things. I think it's wild that they had to put in... They had to put something in place to literally, like, make sure they're interviewing Black people and not just because. Um, And I think that it has everything to do with they just don't, they, the NFL, they don't really care about Black people except for when they take our money. Because I even think about how they deal with, like, their white players who are abusive and, like, things like that and how they make all these statements and then, like, Black players get pushed to the side. Um, the NFL don't really care about black people and that's just the impact of systemic racism and that's not going to change until we force it to change and we dismantle systems and rebuild them. Yeah, well, what do you think, Tommy? Yeah, I think it, uh, it is uh, systemic uh, racism. Uh, it's a race issue. Uh that's been put on us for a long time, man. And like you say, it's not going to stop to change. But but in order to make a change, we have to have grown, uh, you know, we have to have, we got to go after the right causes. You know what I'm saying? And we we got to use sense when we're trying to, you know what I'm saying, when you're trying to go after these people. And so you just can't use, and, and I always say we use, when we used to pull the race car, it may be, we use the simplest things when we're trying to pull the race car. That's not valid. You have to use something that's really valid in order to, you know what I'm saying, to beat this thing. And if we keep saying race at every chance we get, then it's not going to be it's not going to be an issue. I mean, it's not going to be something that they're going to look into cuz they oh, they just complaining again. So when we we can't be so quick to pull a race car, we got to be, you know, strategic when we doing it. You know what I'm saying? You just can't say oh, race, 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 race. Then they ain't going to ever look at it because it's they you complaining, but like you got to be very, very, very like uh, strategic when you're trying to get somebody on that stuff, and that's how you change it. You know what I'm saying? You got to be very strategic where you want to make change, man. You just can't cause, you can't impact change off of something simple. You know what I'm saying? So you, you, you we we got to watch how we you know what I'm saying go about things and, and the way we you know the way we attack it. We just can't say race. Oh, then oh he's racist or this is racist. That's racist because then they're gonna find a way to prove it's not. And then there we go again. You know what I'm saying? We back at square one. And so that's what we keep getting caught up on, man. And I also look at it like this: you got thirty white uh, billionaire owners. And I look at them in today's society as 
30 modern day slave owners. Because mm-hmm. these 30 people is real, inf- not, uh, real, has real, real influence. They're billionaires. They influence a lot of things. No, they, that's just not in the NFL, but in the country. In the country. You so know, they just so happen to own the team, you know. So it's like, you know, one of the things that we do have to do as a culture, when we do have people like, you know, LeBron James, Jay-Z, Kanye West, um, other people, you know what I'm saying, that's fortunate fortunate to get over a billion dollars, you know, uh, we have to support support them to uh, get in position to try to – I don't think it's going to change until we get a black owner. Yep. Just like just like uh, Michael Jordan, he's the only black owner in the NBA. But we ain't got no black owners in the, in the NFL, even though we got people that can buy it. But it just, you know, they don't want to sell it to nobody because that's going to be like them. They know if we get a black owner, that's going to be like them losing power as far as like the systemic racism goes. Mm. Yeah, man. So we just gotta, we just gotta be the right call, man. We gotta use the right things to, to kind of like uh, combat this stuff, man. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people use the race card. To me, they pull the race card too quick. They show their hand too quick. You know, just let it, just let it build up. Stop showing your hand so quick, and then that's when you know what I'm saying. That's how you beat it. And we can't be quick to be like, ah, oh, racism, racism, just because I didn't get a job. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know, you got it's different ways to approach things. I mean, but that's what it is. Like, let's call the thing the thing. It's systematic racism for a lot of institutions why Black people are not getting um, hired or access to things. Now, I get what you're saying. We're like, let's not pull that and show, like, our, you know, our blue-eyed white dragon, right? Um, Mm. But, you know, we got to call the thing the thing. And I think it also says something where a lot of these players are Black and they're getting drafted from all over and they're not coming from the same socioeconomic background as the coaches Mm -hmm. so it's like it's actually a disservice to not have more black people involved in 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 what you're doing while dealing with black players because there's a cultural disconnect as well and I think that if you were a good coach you know again I know zero about sports but if you're a Mm -hmm. good coach you would bring the people around that can better influence and work with your team. And it's not old white guys. <laughs> like mm-hmm. skills are important and you probably have great credit as a coach to what you do, but like, mm-hmm. you know, complexion for the connection is really important as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the way the league set up is so messed up because in the NFL, you know, every other sport got guaranteed court contracts itself for the NFL. Like NFL have certain guarantees, but a lot of it is incentivized in their contracts. So you got to get certain stats and things like that to make up for the other money that you're not getting. So like, you know, in the NBA, probably on the NBA has like 15 people on the roster. Probably 10 to 12 of those people on that roster is millionaires versus in the NFL. You got 53 men on the roster. 
probably 20 of them as millionaires. The rest of them was probably playing with a couple hundred thousand because their contract is not guaranteed. So they'll probably, they probably sign for like five or six million, but they only get like probably 500,000 up front. And the rest of it is based off um, performance and, uh, incentives and stuff. So if you get hurt, all they're going to do is cut you. And whatever your base salary is, you know, you'll get the rest of that for the rest of that season. And then you just be on the street trying to try to get another, uh, get on another team whenever you come off injury. So, and then uh, with these collective bargaining agreements too, another thing is, is that, you know, the best players in the NBA is, is black for the most part. We got more overseas players that's starting to creep into that elite level. But in the NFL, the quarterbacks is mainly white. I mean, we got some black ones that's now we got a lot more black quarterbacks that's elite now. But for the most part, for a long time, the white quarterbacks, when they do that collective bargain agreement on how they determine they, they want their contracts to be paid and things like that, a lot of them going to target those quarterbacks because the quarterback is the one that runs the team. They determine the success of the team. And if the quarterbacks don't get no pushback to those owners when they and stand with the players, like the skill positions and stuff, when they doing those agreements, then the other players going to keep getting screwed over. Like uh, in the NFL, you want to get health insurance for five years after you stop playing. Mm. Versus in the NBA, you get health insurance for the rest of your life. And the NBA and the NFL is a way of a contact sport because you got the CTE. You got the CTE with the brain damage. You got like two players that just died. And Vincent Jackson that played for the Buccaneers, when they did his autopsy, he died. They put he died for another reason, but in all reality, he died because of CTE, because his brain damage from playing in the NFL for so long. But the NFL didn't do nothing, you know, to uh, for his family or or anything. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like one of those uh, things. It's just kind of corrupt how it's set up because if the commissioner, if the commissioner go and put out a, a thing saying oh, we're going to have 50% black coaches in the league, he's going to get fired because the, because the the owners is paying him. So they don't, so they don't really have to – they don't really – they listen to him to a certain extent when it comes to, like, bylaws, like certain stuff they can't get around as far as criminal stuff. But for the most part, you, he can't really tell them how to run their team. Yeah, that's true. That's sad. And that's scary. Like, uh, that just broke my heart that a few players just died. Yeah, that's crazy, man. But, yeah, it's, it's it's crazy, man. Like you say, we set up. I mean, once, once like, we got to start. They got to be owners, though, in order for that to change. Like, you know what I'm saying? We can't. At the end of the day, yeah, we can say it's racism, but you can't tell nobody who, who they want to run their team. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the day, yeah, you can complain, but are you going? Or, yeah, I mean, you can't. He's still gonna be the owner of the team. Not gonna not make him be the. He don't work for a corporation. You know what I'm saying? When you're dealing with billionaires, billionaires, they don't work for nobody. You can't. Mm-hmm. You can't fire a billionaire. You know what I'm saying? They they don't get fired. They 
so you can't not say you can't hire the person that you want. You know what I'm saying? So until we become owners, then that's, you know what I'm saying? That's when we take over, you know what I'm saying? And then start getting those positions. But until then, it won't, it won't happen because that's their preference. That's their team. That's their preference. You know what I'm saying? It's a sad, sad, it's a sad place to, to be and a sad way to look at it. But we got to set ourselves up to, to, to be on the same level they are and then announce the even playing field. But until while we, we can't be beneath, beneath them and tell them how to, you know what I'm saying? How to run, how to run it. Can't. You got to be on the same playing field to tell somebody how to make change. Oh yeah, well yeah, I um I appreciate uh both of y'all coming on the Eric J the great podcast. Uh, I'm gonna wrap it up with this uh, last thing, but uh, also uh, Ray, if you ever uh feel passionate about something and you want to talk about it, you can always uh, DM me, and we can strike up a podcast episode about whatever you want to talk about. Like, I, uh, I do that with a lot of other people that I know, you know. But uh, I want uh, both of y'all to tell tell me what's y'all plans for twenty twenty two as far as like goals and ambitions, and then I go last, and then we'll uh, wrap up the episode. Uh, let me think, man. Goals I'm having twenty two, man. I want to get more fit, you know. Uh, Going to 2022, man, I want to be in the best shape of my life, for real. Uh, I'm already have, I'm over halfway there, man, but I'm just trying to be more healthy, trying to live longer. Um, you know, man, I'm going to continue, continue my, my financial freedom, you know what I'm saying, to be and, and just be as successful as I can, man. I really don't make New Year resolutions. But uh, I, you know, what I'm saying my goals for 2021 is just, just to build on what I'm already, what I already have, man, and finish the process and move on to 2023. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Ray? Um, I've actually completed one of my goals. As you know, I just published my first short story, so mm-hmm. I'm feeling pretty great mm-hmm. about that. Um, being fit too. I've, you know, I do the kickboxing thing. I want to get. Um, more consistent with that. So, and I want to get my first stamp in my passport. The last couple of years, every time I book a, a trip somewhere, something happens. So, start traveling, see the world, and you know, just really do the things that make me happy. You know, take safe risks, do the thing that scares me, and, and be happy. Yeah, um, I know my plans for 2022, you know, keep elevating. And uh, one thing that kind of struck me at the end of 2021 that uh, I got two major things that I'm going to do at the end of this year that um, I had a friend that I do security for, and uh, he did a tour drive where he he gave like over $20,000 worth of stuff. So people, you know, that didn't have Christmas and things like that. And uh, he bought clothes for people, too. He bought, like, over $50,000 worth of clothes for people. He let people shop in his store up here in Louisville for three hours, and let and, and the tab was on him. So uh, I know I want to um, – I'm not going to do that, but I do want to do a tour drive, and I want to do a, a Thanksgiving thing. I got two friends up here – that's going to pitch in with me to do it. And instead of just doing turkeys, 
said we was going to do $50 gift cards with the turkey so people can buy sides to go with the turkey instead of just getting them a turkey and then to eat with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as far as the toy drive, I mean, toys is kind of cheap anyway, so I was like, if me and all my friends, you know, I got more than two people that's going to do it, but if all of us put in, for example, $1,000 a piece, you know, if it's five or six of us, that's a lot of toys, you know what I'm saying? And I know a lot of people that uh, that will uh, let me run out of spot for a low price up here to, to book it for like two hours and stuff. So that's something that I want to do. Cause I uh, was looking at how the uh, people was looking, you know, the less fortunate people, how excited they was and and uh, the joy on their face, and they kind of struck me a little bit, and I was like, I want to do something like that. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, yeah, if y'all want to um, hop back on, you know, uh, either later on this week or anytime this month or in the future, y'all got certain topics that y'all hear, you know, out and about or whatever, just let me know. You know, I'm always write topics down in my notes on my phone, you know, when I think of stuff that I want to talk about. But uh, I'm uh, um, another goal for me is to record more episodes than what I did last year. Yeah. I record, I, I approve how many episodes I recorded each year. You know, so I started April of 2020 doing this podcast stuff. So I recorded more episodes than I did in 2020 and 2021. So I'm trying to keep stepping it up every year. So, yeah, yeah, we got this. Yeah. But yeah, uh, this yeah this uh, I'm gonna put this episode on Spotify tonight. But uh, uh, Ray, I don't know if you listen to the uh, but two of my most popular episodes is Fake Friends and Police Brutality. I get a lot of uh, DMs about those two episodes because that episodes got real deep. One of my friends got put off the episode because he started talking about uh, some NCAAP and Malcolm X stuff that I didn't even know about. That was true. And that's how I know like people be listening to our conversations and stuff. And I couldn't even put them back on. So that episode got real, the episodes got real deep. I get DMs about those episodes all the time. Yeah, for sure. I'll take a listen and, you know. Let me know if you ever want me to come back. I like to shake wounds. So you already know. <laughs> but I behaved today. I behaved today. <laughs> well, yeah, this uh, concludes the Eric J. The Great Podcast. I appreciate y'all uh, coming on. And uh, I'm probably going to do another episode uh, later on this week towards the uh, the weekend. If y'all think of any topics, if y'all want to come back on, just uh, let me know. All right, man. Appreciate it. Have a good night. All right, you too.